Hello, everyone. It is That Weems Guy. We have success. We're managing to get two episodes out two week, or episodes out two weeks in a row here. This is the first time in a while we've done that. That's because I got three assignments done for grad school this week. And so we're in the last week of this class. So I have from now until Friday at midnight central time, so it'll be 1 a.m. Eastern for me, to get my final assignment uh, submitted. So uh, there will be some of you who are getting an email because you're going to be participating in this last assignment that I've got to get done by Friday. Uh, our guest tonight are Miss Tammy Bartles. How are you doing, Tammy? Good, good. Thanks for Introduce yourself, up. please. Um, I'm Tammy Bartles. I am the Director of Organizational Development for uh, Integrity Elite Firearms, which is a gun range in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, we've been open just over seven months. Uh, so we're still a baby range. Uh, prior to that, I was the director of training for a large range in Kansas City. Uh, firearms instructor, training junkie, got my degree in marketing, which is really helpful selling classes. So. Oh, wow. There's actually a way to do that. Right. <laughs> All right. And the second nicest individual in the training business, Tim Reedy. Hi, everybody. Uh, Tim Reedy, TDR Training, uh, located in Bandera, Texas. Uh, I pretty much teach in the Rangemaster tradition and the uh, Tiffany Johnson and Akil Kadir Citizen Safety Academy tradition, lots of gateway instruction, and uh, just trying to help good folks uh, be prepared to uh, protect themselves on the worst day of their lives. There you go. All right. We have kind of two individual topics tonight that kind of intermingle. Uh, I posted a, in the show group earlier today on Facebook, like, hey, give me some show topic ideas. And Tim and Tammy both popped up with things. Ah, we can do that together. And uh, first one uh, Tim proposed is finding classrooms and places to teach. Because I think that is one of the biggest challenges uh, for the people that are trying to teach firearms or someone is, you know, if you're like me and you don't have an agreement with a local, say, local indoor range or a local club that is feeding you students, giving you a place to teach, I, for every class, I have to find a location for that. So that's what we're going to start off with. And Tim, tell everybody how to do it. Okay. Uh, I don't know about everybody else's uh, issues, but what worked for me is uh, once I realized that trying to teach the classroom portion out at the range was really problematic, we could get our own bay, but you still have people on either side shooting, talking, distracting. Uh, so for the classroom portion, I actually wound up driving around Bandera and just kind of looking at different buildings. And I saw a RV park that was only about a mile from the range. And I walked into the office and there was a guy in there and I said, hey, uh, if I wanted to teach a class of six or eight people, uh, what would you charge me to rent just your office here? And it was just the right size. And he had tables and chairs and a flat screen TV. And he said, you know, for a day, well, 50 bucks. I was like, okay, you got yourself a deal, sir. And so I started teaching there. Uh, it eventually became problematic because the air conditioning in that office was not functional. And for June through September, that pretty much made that room almost uninhabitable. Uh, so uh, I would have to find another location there. But uh, that was a you know a great price for a nice little facility, not too fancy, but but just right for small classes. 
I recently went to the Bandera Best Western, really nice hotel and, you know, our only chain hotel. And I asked to see their conference room. They showed me the conference room, told me the amenities. And I said, oh, this is great. This is perfect. I generally teach small classes. And they said, all right, well, here, get in touch with our sales manager for prices. And she said, uh, oh, the conference room. Uh, oh, you get complimentary iced water and complimentary coffee, coffee and a complimentary screen. And you can run a projector and everything but it's $300 a day. And I went, oh my goodness. Uh, I really, really, really want to rent this, but if I'm only teaching four or five people, uh, it's not going to work. Could you, could you drop the price a bit? She goes, how much? And I said, maybe 150. And she goes, yeah, I could do 150. And so for that, it became feasible. Um, really nice setup, very professional, lots of bathrooms nearby, carpeted, good tables, good chairs. Uh, for the the smaller classes, though, it's not not quite an option. So I wound up driving around and just stopping at different buildings. Um, my sweetheart, who is very smart, uh, except for her taste in men, uh, pointed out, hey, there's office space for rent at this place a few miles from the range. And so I stopped in and the guy who was running an office there showed me around and it was perfect. I called the owner uh, or the leaser, I guess, and she said, Okay, yeah, no, I, absolutely. That room right there, you know, I can, I'm happy to lease that to you for 1200 a month. And I told her, I don't really have enough to do a monthly rate. I don't do that many classes, but would you run it for say $80 a day? And she thought about it and said, yeah, I'll run it for $80 a day. And now I have a great classroom for when I host Tiffin Ock and it's not going to break the bank or anything. Uh, the one downside about that is I have to bring my own tables and chairs uh, projector screen or LCD. And uh, since the room is currently trying, she's trying to lease it, I can't leave everything there. So there's a lot of setup and teardown on that. But, uh, you know, go around to the folks in your area. Uh, I stopped by several other businesses and they said, you know, we can't do that right now, but that's really interesting. We'll talk to headquarters and see. So uh, don't be afraid to, to ask folks if they'd like to make, a, you know, an occasional daily fee with the classroom. Have you run into any problem with when people find out the content, oh, we don't want firearms here mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Uh, brilliant point. Uh, yeah. So I actually, I make it a point right up front. I say, this is, this is a firearms classroom. This is a firearms class. Uh, there'll be no live gun handling in this class. We use these red plastic guns. We use these laser simulators, uh, but there's no, no live guns in the classroom. So there's no issues there. Uh, but really the most, you know, this is Texas, so I guess it's not unexpected, but the most common thing is, oh, gosh, I need to take your class. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be traveling for a personal uh, trip a few years ago, and I'd had some interest in a class that I teach that is all classroom based. And I was going to South Georgia, and I'd had some people down there had expressed interest in the class. I was like, well, if I can find a classroom there uh, that will accommodate it. I can do that because I didn't have to be where I was going to have to be until Saturday evening. So I was going to drive down Friday night. I would teach the class on Saturday. The class would pay for my whole trip, you know, and everything. And I would get to come back. And I had a really hard time uh, being able to get classroom space for that. I couldn't get any kind of committal uh, without, without even discussing what the content was, any kind of committal from like the hotel about mm -hmm. using their conference room. There were a couple other places I searched for event venues 
and it just finally I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go have fun and not try to try to make a profit out of it. So, uh, what about if you're traveling to other areas? Have you had any experience with that? That hasn't really been an issue for me. Uh, I'm very fortunate. The only time I've traveled to other areas, uh, let's see, HAVA, Honored American Veterans Association, uh, very kindly invited me to go up to Connecticut to teach. And uh, the gentleman who runs a beautiful indoor range up there in Connecticut, I had his classroom, all his AV, his indoor range, access to all his targets. Uh, they they took such incredibly good care of me, and I had a, a great class of folks who are they're veterans, and they teach other veterans, and they they teach a lot with folks who have um, physical uh, injuries, you know, missing arms, missing legs, uh, TBIs, whatever. But uh, they they're all uh, avid students and instructors, and I got to to teach for a day up there with them. Uh, nothing there, and then a few other conferences. Um, uh, it's the the classroom generally comes with those. It's not something I've had to worry about. So I don't I don't uh, feel your pain as a traveling instructor. Yeah, because it's it's not infrequent that I'll get an email or a message from someone is like, hey, I want to take your class. When are you coming to, and you know whatever area mm -hmm. they say, and mm -hmm. I was like, well, when are you going to host me there? Mm -hmm. They're like, well, I don't have a range, and I'm like, well, neither do I there. You know, I try to make a joke out of it and everything. Said, but, you know, we've got to find a venue for it. And mm -hmm. I think there's a perception from some people. It's like the traveling guys can just show up at a range and they'll let us use it. And that's not the case. Uh, uh, there are some ranges that you can you can rent space in. You know, they'll charge you their daily fee per student or mm -hmm. they'll charge a flat rate for it. And then there are some ranges that are hostile to outside people being there. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's actually a range up in North Carolina mm -hmm. that uh, on their webpage, they advertised rental space in their range, like their classroom facility. So I contacted them, say, hey, I, I'd like to rent. Then they said, oh, we are a firearms instructor? Yes. We don't allow outside firearms instructors. Yeah. Your webpage so, yeah, we rent out our classroom space for events, like if you want to have an office Christmas party or something like that. But we think it would cause confusion with our clientele if we allowed outside people in. I'm I'm sorry to say, but I think it would the confusion would be why is this guy from out of town so good, and why are these people <laughs> anyway? Sorry. So, well, Tim froze up on us. Tim froze up. Right. Tammy, do you have anything to add to what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. that, that again? Yeah, you froze up on us. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, so uh, folks, if you want to host an instructor, um, you know, talk to your local range, the range you shoot at. If there's ranges that hold IDPA matches or steel challenge or anything like that, they're usually sufficient. And um, I, the first time I ever hosted somebody, um, was I guess about six years ago, uh, John Johnston had posted that he was planning his traveling schedule. And, and I just made a simple comment on his post that said, hum, and he immediately pinged me privately and said, hey, hey, you want to host me? You want to host me? And I was like, I don't know. I've never hosted anybody before. And he's like, very simple. Here's all you need. And, uh, you know, I worked out with the, uh, the instructor or the range owner. And the first time was terribly stressful. I wanted it to be perfect and it wasn't perfect. 
and John was great. He said, Tim, calm down. It's going to be fine. You know, okay. Yeah. We have to squish the targets a little closer. We can't do that. He said, it's fine. It's going to be fine. And it really was. Uh, and after that, uh, I posted, uh, you know, Tom Givens. I posted Carl Wren. Uh, I need to host the uh, infamous Lee Weems for some of his classes, but uh, it's hosting instructors is a great way to bring uh, additional training to the folks in your area and uh, usually get a free slot in the, in the class as well. Yeah, uh, I have learned the very hard lessons that until a host has, is known, a known quantity, that I don't go unless I can travel completely self-contained. And because I have gotten to ranges that swore up and down they had target stands and get there they not have target stands and uh, and the like or what they have was not compatible and mm -hmm. so either i i talk to someone ahead of time that's already taught there or i get the range the host to go get me pictures mm -hmm. you know of what's going on there uh there are a few places that i will go to you know unquestionably like i'll hop off a plane and go teach and you know, call around place. carol training is one of those uh murphy's place up in virginia is one meat hall mm -hmm. um up in Shawnee, Oklahoma is one. I just taught at Cahutta Pines up in North Georgia, which mm -hmm. is almost on the Tennessee line. They were fantastic there. Um, Royal Range in Nashville is, is fine. Um, there in your area, San Antonio, Buckingham Mercantile had everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I flew to San Antonio to teach that class with nothing but a thumb drive in my mm -hmm. pocket. And went by an office supply store and printed out my targets. And uh, uh, Tim, uh, I, excuse me, gosh, I wasn't trying to call her name right now. I call her name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old, Tim. Gary. Gary. Gary had told me what they had. And I went by the range uh, the day before the class mm -hmm. and verified everything because I got into town early enough and verified that everything was sufficient for what I needed the next day. Mm -hmm. And, um, but man, it's 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 hard to coordinate some of this stuff sometimes. Hard to coordinate. Uh, you mentioned Tiffany and Oct. Tiffany sends a very detailed document, oh. spelling out everything of what you will have and and, and like. Tammy, what have your experiences been finding classroom oh, so space? seen some of that I've been really lucky that I've worked at ranges for the last four years um, so I've that built-in opportunity but um, but there are some things that I teach like I do pepper spray classes and people seem to be less freaked out about that so I'm doing a next month I'm doing a pepper spray class with a local um, parks and rec group um, I've taught it a couple of times at a library. Libraries seem pretty weird about gun stuff, but they were okay with the um, with the pepper spray class. Okay. Um, I teach mental health first aid class and the libraries are pretty okay with that. Um, so a lot of it depends on what you're teaching. I have a, there's a local um, NRA counselor who actually rents space from a church in Kansas City and then he uses we've got a range that's in a cave and he does the shooting at the cave range it's really kind of a cool range <laughs> no or no no um, ventilation or anything but it's a fun experience um so yeah that he found a, a church I found other churches I've reached out to them they've not been open to uh -huh. um, renting out their spaces 
Uh, sometimes it is. It's just, I think Tim did a great job just running around and saying, hey, who's got space? Can we use it? Um, mm -hmm. so. hmm. Well, we interrupt this regularly scheduled podcast for a commercial. What is mental health first aid? So uh, it's like for like first aid, first aid, but it's for people who are having a mental health issue. Um, and it's it's kind of hard to describe, but it, um, it they talk about algae and how you can help an individual who is having a mental health crisis. So how to approach them, how to recognize what, uh, what a crisis might be, and then how to assist them without making it worse, but also not like we don't diagnose them. Um, this is how we refer them to services or to support systems. Uh, things like that. It's pretty popular in the community I work in. So, and it yeah. it helps. Um, they have a lot of um, law enforcement, hospital staff take the the class uh, because it helps them. You know that de escalation thing everyone needs to learn how to do. Um, it's basically how to do that. It's a pretty cool class. It's a it's a pretty intense class. It was a three day instructor class, um, plus eight hours of online work before the three day live class. Um, but it is an eight hour class during the day, and it has pre work. So, okay, you know, having something like like that class and pepper spray, and non shooting classes that you can export and take to like a hotel conference room or a yeah. church's fellowship hall or something along those lines someone's office conference room it's a pretty good way to have additional revenue streams for when you can't get to shooting venues yeah well the so i took um chuck's oc instructor class in denver a couple of years ago and it was supposed to be at a, a range and the facility fell through and we had that class in a garage like it was a car garage and they moved out the cars and mm -hmm. sat up chairs and a table and we had the class in the garage. So it is nice to have some of those things that you can teach that are not um, reliant on having a range. And Chuck is Chuck Harger of Agile Training and Consulting. Yes. And uh, yeah. I have taken Chuck's OC instructor class and it is very well done. Chuck does a really good job with that. Uh, I've had very negative experiences with OC. Uh, and so it was good to see Chuck's perspective from it because Chuck's had very positive experiences with it. And, um, you know, just having something like that that you can offer and not everyone, the a gun is not the right answer for everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, one, their work environment may not allow it. And then number two, just, not everybody has the mental makeup to carry a firearm, but OC is generally socially acceptable. Yeah. And quite frankly, having your head, your brain turned on, your eyes turned on, a flashlight, and OC will probably handle the vast majority of situations you could find yourself in. Um, I told the story recently on the show. I wound up in the parking lot of an Atlanta firehouse for a number of hours here recently waiting on a tow truck to come pick up my vehicle. And as darkness fell, one of the Urban's outdoorsmen spotted me and decided to come try to, to panhandle. And they did not heed my verbal 
warnings to stay back. But when the surefire stiletto pro and a thousand lumens came out and hit them right square in the eyeballs when they weren't expecting it, they stopped in their tracks. And I turned the light off. They started to take another step and the sun came back out again right into their face. And my verbal warnings got a little, little more forceful and they stayed away and they went. That's not a situation that could that would have resulted in a justification of any kind of deadly force. But had they continued on towards me, okay, we're starting to get into where OC would be acceptable. You know, the gun's not the answer all the time. Matter of fact, it's rarely the answer. On a statistical basis, it is rarely the answer, but we spend so much focus on that. Because shooting's fun, and it's okay to, to go to a shooting class because shooting is fun. But as a, from a student perspective, there's a lot more that we could be spending time on. And from an instructor's perspective, there's a lot. There's a lot of audiences that we'll reach that we're not going to get to with firearms. So I, I'll put, Tim, you got any comments on that? I do, actually. Thank you for that. Uh, my sister and I went into a nearby town for some live music the other night. And uh, as we were standing up to leave, a uh, gentleman stood up and said, you know, hey, Tim, I took your class a couple of years ago and I really enjoyed it. Thank you for that. And this is my wife. And we chatted with them for a few minutes. And he said, my wife is a real estate agent. And I've been talking to her about possibly getting a gun because he, uh, her husband, the husband, the, my student had actually gone into a house that she was getting ready to show and walked in on several squatters in the house. And it was, it was pretty tense. And he said, but she doesn't know anything about guns and she's scared of guns. <clears throat> and I said, no problem at all. And I pulled my palm pepper spray out and I said, okay, I want you to have this. Here's how you use it. You can adjust the clip. Here's the safety lever. If you, you need to Put it on your body, practice drawing it, practice getting your thumb on it. And if you need to spray somebody, just, you know, cross the eyes and nose mouth. Um, you know, I gave her a, a one minute lesson on how to pepper spray and gave her the one that I carried. And I'll just come home and grab another one from the, the 12 pack that I keep on hand. Uh, and that is, yeah, that it is so many people, all they think it's, and I was guilty of it, you know, 25 years ago when I got my license to carry, it was, well, there's a gun problem and then a not a you know I, I didn't really have anything for not a gun problem and i'm i'm really ashamed of how long it took me to get uh get really good oc training and and start carrying it daily tammy you have any thoughts oh i was just gonna say that um it is we talked about how we talked about it is a great thing to add to what you teach because it does it creates that additional revenue stream like you said um mm -hmm. And thinking just from the host standpoint, so I've hosted several classes uh, in my position. You were talking about hosting earlier um, and what that looks like. I think there's a lot of confusion on both ends. Like the instructors who are traveling around, they don't know which ranges might be open to host. The So many of the local ranges, they don't know how to host. Like I got really lucky. I was like, you know, I want to host somebody, but I don't know how to do it. Um, and I had, you know, Chuck is a friend. And so I reached out to him. I was like, can I host you as a test? Um, and it worked out really well, but there's not a lot of information out there. Um, even when I was looking to host other people, um, 
you know, instructors would benefit from putting information on their websites. Like, hey, you want, and I've seen a few who do, hey, you want to host me? This is what I need. This is what it looks like. Um, because there is a lot of confusion, I think, on the range side until you get to the point where you're like Royal Range, where you're hosting people all the time. When you're getting started out, you don't know. I was like, I don't know, you know, how does the pay structure work when you host someone? And what I found is it's, there's some variation depending on the instructor themselves. Um, and I think everyone's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And that slows down the hosting process quite a bit. Um, we, at my old range, we hosted Chuck several times. We hosted Tom Givens. Um, unfortunately, I'd left that range before he actually taught the class. Um, and then we had scheduled also to host, um, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank, <laughs> Tim Heron. We, how can you forget Tim? We had um, scheduled to host Tim Heron just before TACCON. And unfortunately, I heard that Tim did not have a great experience at that and was telling me about it at TACCON. Um, and I think part of that is the, the communication because Tim and I had been communicating and then the new people didn't know what to do and they didn't keep that communication up. Um, so I think communication from the instructor side and the range side is really important. And for the instructors out there, just realize most of the people running these ranges, they, have, they don't have a clue what to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I think there is a natural assumption that everybody knows how to do it, and that's just not the case. Um, you know, you have some hosts that are great about sending out to their contacts. You know, I've got so-and-so so -and -so coming, you know, to send it out, and you get responses that way. And then you got some that don't do anything to try to help fill a class. And I, I, I do want to stick up for the indoor ranges here for for a moment. Because I think sometimes people they see they have this perception of why don't they why don't they allow trainers to come in everything, okay? It costs a lot to run those facilities. Their way they make money is turning over spaces in those base to shoot. They're not making money while people are sitting in the lobby waiting for a chance to shoot. They get frustrated and leave because it was taking too long. And if they shut down a bay, they are shutting down revenue stream. So either they've got to get enough from the class to justify that, or it's not worth them, worth it for them to do it. It's actually costing them there. Uh, I don't want to say the name of this indoor range out and talk about their business and everything, but the owner that, that uh, or the guy that runs it, has just decided he's gonna support the training industry. It's because he wants to see training. And so they have a multi-bay indoor range, and they just designate one that's that's going to be for training. And he says, as long as it's not resulting in people standing in the lobby waiting for places to shoot, they're going to support the training industry. Nice. But they've got to be able to make money, too. And there, there's a fine line between, you know, at which point does it become cost-effective to the instructor or the student versus the cost-effectiveness for the range? And I know some ranges want a percentage. And, you know, there, there's no formula for how it should work or it works universally. It's just it varies so much. And I personally prefer to have a per-student charge. 
and then I can build that into the price of the class mm -hmm. and pay it. And sometimes it's the students pay the range fee. Sometimes it's it's I pay it all in one lump sum. It kind of depends on the facility. Um, but I have what I consider my base price, where if I'm taking, sleeping in my bed and I'm going to teach at one of the local facilities. Mm -hmm. And then for every so many hours, like if it's going to be one night in a hotel, I add on so much to that base price per class per student. If it's going to be two nights in a hotel, I add on so much, and that kind of I have kind of like twenty five dollar increments based on nights of hotels that it's going to cost. Because either you're paying for me to come to you, or you're paying to come to me, mm -hmm. and that's just the way it is. Um, Tim, you do everything you're doing locally in Bandera, other than like some special events, right? Pretty, pretty much, uh, you know, it's so I sleep in my own bed, the the range in Bandera, we're so fortunate that uh, the, uh, you know, the owner is very flexible, and I can rent an entire bay. And it's essentially for for non gun club members, it's $15 a day. And mm -hmm. that is just, that is that is such a, a great price uh, compared with many other places. So I'm, I'm, I'm real fortunate with that. And I can also get access to it the night before, go out there, set up, mm -hmm. set up target stands, paint lines, you know, make it so when the instructor shows up, all he's got to do is spray some glue, hang targets and go. Uh, I, I run my IDPA and steel challenge matches out at the club. So I've got a Connex out there full of steel with canopies, with chairs, with tables, uh, steaks, basically everything we could need to make a class successful, except for the, uh, I believe it was Tom's uh, shotgun class that he taught out there when we had like 50 mile an hour winds and the stakes were not cutting it. You know, backers were ripping mm -hmm. it. You know, it was taking four people to hang a paper target and whatever. Uh, yeah, for, for that, I need to figure out something <laughs> A little different, but normally we're uh, we're pretty set on everything it takes to to host a good class. Oh man, you mentioned shotgun classes. I traveled up to the Apache Solutions Range uh -huh. and was going to be doing a shotgun class earlier this year, and I just forgot to put my two by fours in my truck when I loaded up mm -hmm. that I need to hold my steel targets up. Mm -hmm. And I remembered it as I'm leaving because I'm driving up the interstate. Well, I'll pass a Lowe's. It'll be fun. And so I pull into a, put to a Lowe's and I go load up a bunch of 10 foot two by fours on one of those little push carts. And at the Lowe's in the Home Depot where I live, they've always got a saw and you just go, you know, chop them into five, make them five foot. And all right, this is all I need to get there. And I get walk back there to pay or to cut the wood and their saw is out of order and they had nothing shorter that was going to work or whatever so i end up buying a hand-powered saw and throw that in the <laughs> truck and it was kind of funny i uh <laughs> i got to my hotel and i checked in and carried all my luggage up and put it up in the thing. And I went back and I come back through the hotel carrying 10 foot two by fours and managed to get them into the elevator because it was supposed to rain that night. I didn't want to leave them outside. And I get to the range and my plan was I was going to be out there early enough that morning to saw those things in, in by hand. And thankfully someone there at the range had a, had a power saw in their truck 
and cut them. But those are the joys of being a traveling instructor there. <laughs> oh, Tim's hanging up on us again. <laughs> we'll see if he catches back up to us. We froze then. Okay, are we back now? Yes, yeah. I was going to say the Apache guys are such such great folks. I'm not surprised they were prepared. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny standing there on the elevator holding up a couple of two by fours, and people are getting on one of the the sideways look. Like, What's he doing? I'm like, hey, how you doing? You got, did you have a good night? Just like there's nothing in the world going on with it. Yeah, yeah. And if I may, let me let me say something about uh, hotels and traveling. Uh, when I was up in Shawnee for one of Tom's classes, I don't remember what it was. Uh, I had been carrying pepper spray. I realized there was a big hole in my training and I'd been carrying pepper spray for probably two years. I had not practiced. I had not trained. I had not taught my mind the pepper spray is there in an appropriate situation. And uh, at this Best Western there, uh, it was pet friendly. And there was a lady uh, who was very well known to the staff and the other guests. She had a very aggressive uh, German Shepherd. And I came walking up the stairwell after class one day and I opened the door and stepped into the hallway and she's right on the other side of the door and the German shepherd just lunges at me, snarling and snapping. And so, of course, I just snapped, you know, snatched the door shut and she dragged the dog past to the little ice maker alcove and said, it's OK, come out now. And, you know, I come out and I very carefully step out and she's got this dog on a leash and the dog is lunging and actually pulling her a few inches every time it lunges uh -huh. backing to my door, which is just, you know, about two feet down the hall. And all I'm thinking of is if that dog gets away, you know, the Glock 19 is coming out and I'm going to work. The pepper spray never crossed my mind. And after that, I was like, how just you know that that is I, i'm just i'm ashamed of that incident but i share it as a learning moment have your pepper spray and you know practice deploying it having it in your hand when you think you may need it uh you know the the gun probably would have been appropriate in that situation but pepper spray would have been so much better and uh later on i went down to the front desk and said are you going to do anything about that lady and they said uh well not really no Wow, that's taking on a lot of liability if they know that's going on. Mm -hmm. hmm. yeah. So you guys were talking about indoor ranges earlier. Um, I think that indoor ranges, if they change the way they think about hosting instructors, it will help with our other topic on offering quality instruction. Um, so the range I was at before, they were in the process of, they had plans to expand, to build seven to 10 more ranges over the next 10 years. And so when I pitched it to them, the idea was, hey, this will help us build national name recognition. Because if you bring someone like Tom Givens in and Tom is posting on his range master sites that he's going to be at this range, and then you build a range in you know that city, they're getting ready to open a range in Tulsa. People in Tulsa are gonna go, oh, I saw this company on Tom's website. So, oh, I'm gonna go check them out. So part of that was using you know, the hosting big names as a way to help build um, recognition for that range, as well as building some, um, um, I am moving in three weeks and my brain is dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, building some, um, you know, street cred 
uh, for lack of a better term. So people are like, oh, well, they're serious enough about training that they're bringing these people in. So maybe I want to go check that out. And if you, I also thought about it as I had, I had 16 instructors at that range between three locations. And a lot of them had not taken any training since they, you know, were baby cops and took their, went to the academy and they'd not had any training since then. Um, some people will not travel to get training, but if you bring the training to them, they might uh, sign up. And we did have several people sign up for the training locally. Um, so that's some, another way for indoor ranges, especially to look at that. You're bringing that training to your staff to make your staff better. Um, because we all know, we talk about it, most local range training instructors are going to be, you know, USCCA or NRA instructors, brand new, without a lot of experience. And generally those positions don't pay well. So they're, or they're part-time or they're doing it, you know, they're cops during the day and instruct in the evening. So they don't have that opportunity to get some of that training. What's the population of Lawrence? Um, so Lawrence is a college town, so it's significantly different between the summer and the the rest of the year. I, uh, oh goodness, I want to say it's 120,000 people. It's a suburb of Kansas City, so it's not okay. super small, but it's a, it's a decent sized little town. Okay. When you're hosting people, do you pull from outside of Lawrence? Um, so we have not hosted anyone yet technically at the Lawrence range um, because we're still, we've only been open a few months mm -hmm. at the Kansas city range. We pulled people from as far away as like Omaha. People would come down from Omaha to Kansas city, um, you know, a couple hundred miles pretty easily. We have, um, I do know we're hosting at our Lawrence range in January and someone who lives up in Illinois has signed up for the class we're hosting already and is coming down. Uh, someone in Columbia, Missouri, which is kind of central Missouri is coming oh. over. So we're starting to pull some people. Is it Kansas or Kansas State that's there in Lawrence? Um, KU, KU, University okay. of Kansas, the Jayhawks. Okay. So All I have right. been telling people, you know, it's basketball season when we're hosting. You can come check out like one of the original homes of the basketball if you're into that. Oh, that's such a difference between that and being a Southeastern Conference University graduate because we would even acknowledge basketball. That's about football. So, right. I mean, can you? Then, football has not traditionally been KU sports. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was I was gonna make a comment at K State's expense because as I am an Oklahoma State cowboy now through my graduate program, Oklahoma State did beat Kansas State Friday night. And so I was gonna gonna bask in that glow. Uh, I went to K State for a year and a half before oh, yeah. I, I left to get married instead. But um yeah. but yeah, they when I was at K State they were not a football school either. <laughs> so uh, yeah. They definitely turn things around. Tim, uh, is most of your clientele coming out of San Antonio? Um, yeah, actually, I get a lot from uh, Bandera and surrounding counties. When I post classes, I post them in the, uh, you know, we've got five or six counties around us. And uh, I'm a member of the community oh. chat pages or the community group pages for all of those. Uh, so I get folks from, you know, further out in the hill country, 
Bernie, uh, you know, kind of Fredericksburg area, you know, but I, I'd say probably San Antonio is a lot. Uh, having worked at uh, USAA, large uh, employer there in San Antonio, uh, and for the first 10 years that I taught, uh, no, for the first eight years that I taught, it was all word of mouth advertising in that one building there. We had we had 16,000 employees in the building. And so, you know, the word of mouth was, hey, if you need a gun class, go see Tim. And I didn't have to do any advertising. But mm -hmm. uh, since then, um, yeah, we, we get a few more folks from San Antonio and, and other areas. I do have to say something about Kansas. Um, I grew up in partially in Overland Park, Kansas. And so elementary school, a little bit in Kansas. And, uh, you know, talking about football, uh, I played football. Uh, I was not uh, a good football player. And while scrimmaging one day, the coach uh, goes, hey, Reedy, are you going out for the team next year? And, you know, I think I'm in fifth grade or something. He goes, hey, Reedy, you going out for the team next year? And I said, I don't know, coach. I don't think so. And he looks at me and goes, good. And I was like, okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> yes, I know I'm not good, but uh, anyway. Uh, okay. um, but uh, enough about that. Yeah, lots of, lots of, you know, San Antonio, of course, you know, city, one of the, I guess the third largest city in Texas. That's, that's probably the biggest market in the area. And luckily we're only 45 minutes from the Northwest side of San Antonio. And, you know, as Tammy had mentioned, you know, people won't come to training because they'll complain about it being too far away. You know, like I get that here because I teach most of the classes I teach locally. I teach at a range in northeast Georgia. It's almost South Carolina, so I, I tell people you go to head up I eighty five before you get to South Carolina. Take a left. There, there's the range, and it's really not that much further from people on the north and western metro Atlanta areas to get there than it would be. You know, they got across metro Atlanta. But they view it as being, because it's not inside the metro Atlanta area, as being, man, it's a lot of way to travel. And I will get messages from people that are inside the metro area. Well, when are you going to bring a class into such and such, whatever? So I'm not, I don't have a range there, but I've got a range. You know, I can go out to Red Hill. Oh, that's too far away. So an mm -hmm. hour's drive yeah. is too yeah. much. And you're just well, not, you know. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's something we try to work on is um, like grouping classes, especially when we're hosting, um, because we're what we're hosting in January is um, Chuck's OC instructor class. And someone commented, they're like, oh, I really want to go to that, but it's not worth driving for one day. And I was like, yeah. well, on Sunday, he's doing his pocket rockets class. And so then you can make a weekend of it. Um, which is something I tried to do at the old range to mm -hmm. um, offer those multiple day classes. Not everyone can afford to do that, but some mm -hmm. people might come further for a multiple day class. And then you fill it out with local people who just want to go to one or the other. Had a lot yeah. of success trying to do that. Yeah, Most of the time that I travel, I do two one day classes instead of one two day class. Mm -hmm. And what I have found since I went to that model is that my revenue stream actually revenue actually went up because I will get some people that will do both one day classes that I'll get some that will come to one and then a different group that comes to the other because it's it's hard for people to commit an entire weekend 
you know, away from their, you know, that's the only time they got time with their families and, and et cetera. And so while I won't get 100% of the people both days, I get people that I wouldn't have gotten at all, uh, you know, because it's a one day commitment instead of two. Mm -hmm. Well, and the round counts usually smaller on one day classes mm -hmm. over two and that helps people out. Yeah. And what I generally try to do is make all of my expenses from one day. And if I can, if I can one day concur, get all of my expenses, then anything else is bonus. And then the other days is where I make the money and just make it all profit. And for the most part, like I say, I, my revenue increased when I did that going away from the two-day class model. Yeah. Um, well, I think there are things that we can do as hosts to help instructors out if, if it's an option. So I know a couple of different hosts who have, you know, put the instructor up at their house. Like I'm single and live in a two-bedroom apartment. That's really not something I'm going to be able to do. But you know, if you have a, a house with a spare bedroom and you can put up the instructor, I've seen that work for some people because then that help reduces the instructor's expense if they're willing to do that. Um, so there are things we can do to make it work. Yeah, I did a class last year that I was sold out on one day and I was one seat shy of being sold out the second day. So brought in a lot of revenue, but ended up because the hotels there were so expensive, it was a good drive to get up there and everything. 32% of the revenue went to expenses. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good chunk of change. Uh, now, thankfully, I, I use the business as a way to fund my going and doing other gun stuff. And so it's typically dollars that come into the business or dollars that go right back out for like for me to go to training. And the like, if I were having to take 40% off the top of that and pay taxes, then I would have traveled, taken two days off work, traveled off that class for 30% of the revenue. And that, that's a, that's a pretty big hit. Yeah. yeah I've talked pretty... to instructors who have actually lost money, even though, even though a class was full, um, they ended up losing money between travel expenses and hotels. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know it gets frustrating from the from the student perspective is, you know, they, they sign up for a class or whatever, and then at the last second, the instructor cancels because there's not enough students for them to come. And, and I know it's frustrating from the student perspective, so I know it's in, but it's also frustrating from the instructor's perspective. Uh, we're seeing a trend here lately where people are not signing up until the last minute. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of the instructors, you know, get a chance to talk to a lot of them around the country, and they're saying that's become real problematic. And you know, by the time you, you know, airfare, the further out you book it, the cheaper it is. Yeah, and and the like. Um, you know, understand the commitment and, and everything else, but yeah, I don't know what the right answer is there. Yeah, there are. There are very few Tom Givenses in the training world. And so I'm hosting Tom twice next year, uh, once for his professional pistol craft instructor course, which is the next one after the master course. And then I'm hosting him for the instructor reunion as well. Uh, he posted the professional pistol craft instructor course and it sold out like that. And it was, it was uh, actually probably over a year in advance. It sold out. And, uh, 
you know, I, I, I think most people are going to have to deal with folks signing up or, you know, canceling five to three days in advance. So. Yeah. I put in the ticket description on mine. If I'm traveling, uh, no, no cancellations within, you know, 14 days of the event, no refunds within 14 days of the event, unless I'm able to sell that spot, mm -hmm. you know, to someone that's on the wait list or, or the like. And I think that's fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you've committed the time and the money to mm -hmm. travel and get lodging and teach, uh, it's, yeah, we're, uh, it, it's important that folks understand that, that you can't turn that on a dime. Yeah. Ten, uh, ten. Right, go ahead. I was going to say, that's why it's so important that the host really make that effort to kind of sell that classes i've seen classes and the host like nothing's on their social nothing's on their website um you know i posted about a class we're hosting on my social friday night and somebody signed up that night and you just have to do that repeatedly um mm -hmm. you can't just do it once be like hey we're doing this thing and then never talk about it again mm -hmm. tammy what else do you want to bring up about offering good local training um, I think it's important. So one of the things people talk about all the time, you know, local training sucks, or, you know, we, we talk about it in the industry. Oh, you know, it's super basic, but I don't think it has to be. I think you can, uh, if a range is committed to training, they can offer good training um, and they can make it possible for people to see. So one of the first things I did when I took over as director of training of that old range, and we've done it here at our new range, is every instructor, you have to give us your bio, like your full bio, tell us what you've trained. And we put that on our website. And I want people to be able to go, oh, this person's taking training. Oh, this person's not. I don't want to. And it's not meant to, you know, downgrade that person. But I want people to be able to get good training. And we all know that that requires ongoing training from the instructors. Um, it just takes a commitment, I think, by the range and by the instructors um, themselves. Because like I said, so many of them, you get like these old retired police officers who haven't taken any more training. You're not going to get them to take training. So when you're looking to hire instructors, are they someone who's committed to training? Are they someone who's done more than taken their, you know, two-day NRA class and now that's what they're doing um, and really just as someone who's hiring people for local ranges talk to them see what their their thought process is I actually had a woman who is a USCCA counselor like chew me out for 20 minutes once because all I said was I don't teach pinning the trigger and she just like word vomited on me. And she was so stuck in USCCA teaches us to pin the trigger. So that's what we're going to teach no matter what. Um, you know, she may be a great instructor, but instantly my thought is you're not open to other ideas and you're just parroting what you learned. So in that book, instantly, you're not a good instructor in my, my mind. So instructors can do for themselves by being open and then ranges can support that with their hiring practices. Yeah. Uh, simply parroting what you've been told is I think one of the bigger, uh, bigger problems in this whole firearms training world. Uh, I mentioned on the show a bunch Bloom's taxonomy. 
and the levels of learning. And, you know, the first level is being exposed to the information. The second level is being able to repeat it back. But then there are like several more levels above that. And if all you're doing is repeating back stuff, then you're teaching at that second level. And, you know, if, you, if all you're doing is reading the PowerPoint and grading targets, I don't need you. Yeah, you're no help to me as a student. You're no help to anybody. And, um, yeah, target grading is not teaching. Reading a PowerPoint slide that someone else put together is not teaching. Now, I understand in certain, like, state-mandated courses and the like, you have no option. You have to go with, say, a mandated material. But... uh you don't own what you're teaching at that point. So, Tammy, do you have any marketing tips that you'd be willing uh, to share? So we we talk about social media is, it throttles the training, the firearms industry, but it's still probably one of the best ways to get information out. Um, Facebook events, the really nice thing about Facebook events is if you, if you create one and then your friend shares it and that and their friends share it or they see it, that increases the reach. Um, so I found Facebook events to be really helpful in getting information out about what's going on, um, any groups you belong to. So Tim, you'd mentioned that you belong to several local groups, um, you know, posting on those, getting that information out. Um, in-store signage. So if you've got in-store signage, I created a space. We've got a big glass wall at our range and I put IEF events and put a sign up there that says, you know, what we've got coming up, whether it's a manufacturer's event or a class. You can do, um, if you struggle with making graphics, Canva is amazing. They have a free version. I use it a lot. Um, the paid version is like 12 bucks a month it's totally worth it for what I do. But for most people, the free version is going to, to meet their needs. They've got a lot of stock image. They have a lot of gun stock images. Even um, at one time I found, I found a, I wrote an article for Primer Peak about church security training. And I was looking for a picture of a gun sitting on a Bible and I found one in Canva. So Canva's got a lot of um, interesting stuff out there. They've got indoor range, outdoor range pictures. It's a great resource um, to use. And then, um, so those are the big things. And then if you've got a website, get that information on your website, because a lot of people still go to websites. Um, I know a lot of trainers who don't even have websites. And I'm like, no, you have to have a website because people still look for websites. Hmm. So those are probably some simple things people can do. Cool. Tim, I mean, we got to help each other. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, what would you like to talk about that we haven't already mentioned? Oh gosh. Um, I, well, the the instructors who are stuck in dogma versus doctrine. You know, we will pin the trigger, and that's what I was taught decades ago, and it took me a long time to unlearn that. It yes, it can be useful but it can also be a hindrance and and the folks who are like this is the way 
I get real leery of that. You know, this is a world, and there are there are intelligent people who argue for other ways as well. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of continuing education. Uh, every time I go to the Range Master Instructor Conference, I learn a lot from Lee. I uh, learn a lot from Tiffany, learn a lot from Akil. Um, it is just, you know, uh, occasionally I learn a little bit from Hearn too. But it's, uh, <laughs> sorry, Lee, I knew you were going to I was just about to point out that you had left out John because you never learned anything from him. So I, so I, I got to say, so TACCON, I've been going to TACCON since 2014, I think. I've missed one since 2014. Mm -hmm. And the very first TACCON I went to, the very first class I went to was Hearn's eight-hour Who Wins, Who Loses, and Why lecture back then. And I was just like, you know, pages and pages of notes, such good stuff. I can't wait to see his latest version. I want to want to host him for that. But um, that was also, I believe, where I met Tiffany Johnson. Uh, I was on a break in between classes. I was walking up and down the halls of the mothership, and I walk around a corner and there is this beautiful young woman wearing a, uh, she's got like a, a, a button open shirt, but it's open and she's wearing a belly band with mirror image Glock 19s in her belly band. And I went, hi, I'm Tim. Who are you? <laughs> best buds ever since. Um, but uh, yeah, getting continuing education is so critical. I look back at, at how I, you know, TDR training has been in, uh, in force since 2010 and uh, I got my range master certification in 2014. And I just, I cringe to think about what I taught in 2014 and 2015 and 2016 got better, 17 better yet. But I just, you know, that whole dear past me, you were stupid, so stupid, dear present me, you're still stupid. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big subscriber to that. And I just, I always try to improve and, and keep learning and the, the continuing education with Range Master and other groups really helps that. Uh, I do have to say that uh, my sweetheart, Amy, has insisted that I buy a lottery ticket for this stupid billion dollar lottery that's coming up. And if I win, I'm not going to say anything, but there is going to be a super nice indoor range opening in the Bandera area <laughs> that is open only to Tim and people he approves of. <laughs> Very nice air conditioned uh, with nice chairs in the classroom. You know, with with basically in Texas, June, July, August, and September are non-outdoor training months unless yeah. people just want to suffer. So yeah, it's got air conditioning, uh, yeah, the whole the whole shebang, and uh, there will be uh, you know there will be a, a, a test before you were allowed to come into that range. Yeah, when I taught there at uh, Buck and Doe, mm -hmm. I don't remember what what month it was that I was there, but it was over a hundred outside, mm -hmm. and I was thankful for the AC. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not optional here. It's God bless William Carrier. Yep. No, not William. Will Willis Carrier. Willis, what Carrier. Willis, Willis Carrier. Carrier. Yes, I, I love him with a manly love. <laughs> him and the guy that invented the snooze alarm are the two greatest inventors in the all time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. A classroom with the air conditioning is a much needed thing at the outdoor ranges. We were taking a, a class couple months ago and it got up to 111 it was 114 um at, actually right up near where we were last weekend tim um, in walmigo just a little 
to the east of there. And yeah, we ended up where everyone, we took a vote for the second day and we're like, hey, how about we start at six in the morning so that we can be done by three. And so we did that. And then we still were like, can we go into the air conditioning now? It was, it is, it's hard here. We've got, um, usually during the summer, people mm -hmm. are wanting to train outdoors, but it gets pretty nasty here during the winter. So we get yeah. indoor ranges tend to get busier in the winter. Yeah. If people are miserable, they're not learning no. when they're concentrating on, on their physical discomfort, you're losing them as students. Yeah. And I've had it from cold weather to rainy to miserable heat and the mm -hmm. like. And, you know, when people start to get dehydrated and stuff out there in the heat, their mental faculty starts to go. And I've had to shut some classes down early because we were becoming a safety hazard. You know, people, we got to put the guns away. We got to go inside. We got to get in the air conditioning. We got to drink some water. We got to do all that. And, um, you know, just, it just becomes a thing. Um, the graduate program that I'm doing through Oklahoma State is in their workforce and adult education uh, program. And while I think a lot of the literature, of course, you know, from the academic world, a lot of the literature is looked at from a, you know, they're approaching it from a utopian point of view, not a realistic point of view. And uh, one of the things I picked up in there is talking about how adults differ from children and that adults want choices and they want to draw on their past experiences and they want to know what's relevant to them now, et cetera, versus children who will just accept what the teacher's telling them and the like. And so one of the practices that I've taken out of that, and I've tried it with several different groups in the, over the last eight weeks, is previously I've always taught the techniques that I believe were superior. Because obviously we're not going to teach things we believe to be inferior. Such as getting the support hand to center line as the strong hand goes to the gun. Mm -hmm. And I have preached that and preached that and preached that. And I've actually tried it with some people that I have ongoing relationships with, you know, like deputy sheriffs and stuff that I've had in classes over and over and over again. And so I had them the other day, I had them start purposely with their hands is body width and had them start their presentation there. And then I had them start hand on center line, you know, supporting center line and start their presentation there. And then I asked them afterwards, which of those presentations did you get both hands on the gun more quickly? Which of those presentations did the gun arrive where you were looking at on the target? And of course, they all admitted, I've had one person out of everybody I've tried this with, they said the support hand at center line, got their hands on the gun, they had a better presentation to the eye target line, etc. So wouldn't it make sense as you go to draw the gun that you move the support hand to the center line? Yeah. And then you see them start working that versus me telling them that. Some of these people I have told this, I've been their firearms coach for 14, almost 15 years. And I've been telling them this, telling them this, telling them this. And they leave that support hand dangling as they go to draw and everything. And after exposing the material to them that way, were they able to experiment and see the differences and see for themselves 
which mm -hmm. one was superior, I'm getting better results. Can can you clarify that a little bit? So you mm -hmm. have them, you have them start how in comparison so, to hand on center line? Right. Instead of the support hand center line, I have them start hands basically at their hip width mm -hmm. and just kind of out in front of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We got cameras here. We can't, you know, kind of <laughs> one of these. I know the people on the audio aren't going to see it. So I have them start with their hands to their sides, basically. Mm -hmm. And then and start the presentation. And do this. And then go. And then I have them start with their support hand center line mm -hmm. and give them the go signal. Mm -hmm. So they can see for themselves which one of those worked the best. I like that. I like that. If you don't mind, I may steal that from my holster success class. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do want credit in the bibliography. Absolutely. You will, <laughs> you, will, you, will receive, you will receive royalties and everything. I promise. There you go. There you go. And it's just one of the things that just from the literature, because what I'm trying to do is I read through mm -hmm. all of this, this stuff and everything. I'm like, okay, how can I take it and apply this mm -hmm. to what I'm actually doing? Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's funny. Um, David Cagle's in the same program. And we were both worried. Okay, when they find out we're cops, plus he's military, we both teach firearms, all this kind of stuff. That's, you know, are we going to be in for it for this whole time? And the first night in class, we go around, we do all of our intros, and there's another cop besides us in there. And then the professor did her intro. And her son's former military who went into contracting and has been a cop in Texas for 25 years. I'm like, we're okay. We're fine. And so we've been able to include that kind of stuff in our, in our writings that we're doing for the classes. So it's been pretty good. Nice. All righty. Tim, what you got coming up? Uh, well, next thing coming up, uh, I've got a holster success class followed immediately by a defensive handgun one class coming up in a few weeks here in San, uh, in Bandera, uh, still hoping to get some, you know, a decent, uh, registration for that. It's people like, oh, I want to, oh crap, I can't do that. And yeah, so it's, you know, we'll see how that goes, but it's, it's basically, it's for folks who have never drawn from the holster, getting you to successfully get out on target more importantly, get it safely back in the holster and then follow uh, optional after that, another four hour uh, defensive handgun, which, uh, you know, the Texas license to carry class, nothing defensive in that at all. Not the time limits, not the targets, not anything. Uh, but more importantly, right after that, the first weekend in November, uh, folks, if you are an instructor, uh, let me rephrase that. If you are an experienced shooter and you are the go-to gun person for friends, family, and other people to introduce them to guns and teach them, come join us the first weekend in November, uh, Tiffany Johnson and Akil Kadir for their gateway instructor course. It's not for, it's a gateway instructor certification course. It's not for new shooters, uh, but it's for folks who teach beginners, folks who may be traumatized by guns or unfamiliar with guns. And uh, I cannot speak highly enough about Tiff and Ox stuff. It is, I've been exposed to it for several years now, and it is absolutely top-notch, brilliant stuff. And it has made me so much better than I was before. Uh, so that's in November, first weekend in November. In February, I'm hosting Melody Lauer for her Armed Parent slash Guardian course. Uh, and then other stuff uh, later on in the year. But um you know, I'll, I'll have my courses posted on tdrtraining.com, including the folks that I'm hosting. 
and uh, come on out and join us. The Hill Country is gorgeous this time of year. Hill Country is gorgeous all the time. Good point. It is pleasant this time. <laughs> it's pleasant, yeah. <laughs> you won't melt this time of year. Absolutely. Yeah. Tammy, what you got coming up? Um, so actually, I just recently finished writing a class um, called Training People Who Have Experienced Trauma. So I worked for 13 years in child welfare before I got into firearms. And I had an instructor at, at my previous range who had a student in class crying. And he literally looked at her and said, there's no crying in baseball. And I think it was because he was uncomfortable. He didn't know what to do or how to handle that. And then I've had several people reach out to me. I had a coworker reach out to me and ask if I would train her sister-in-law who um, was afraid of guns because her son had committed suicide with a gun and other people who were afraid of guns because they were raped at gunpoint or, or something like that. And so many people, especially like local level instructors, they don't know how to handle that. They don't know what to do and they're uncomfortable. And unfortunately they can re-traumatize someone if they handle it wrong and so that class is currently be being reviewed and read by a couple of um, really awesome instructors that I have a lot of faith in um, runs about two hours so I'm hoping to kind of launch that where if someone wants to do it you know the mental health first aid class is a really great partnership with that class um, it's not a certification it's really just more information for people who teach especially first-time new shooters and then at our range in Lawrence, Kansas, we're hosting Chuck Haggard at the end of January for his pocket rockets class, as well as his OC instructor class. And hopefully soon we'll have some information about hosting um, Chris Cypret for some classes and get that whole training thing going. Yeah, how can people get in touch with you? Um, my website is Red Brick Road Training. So rbrtraining.com is my website. Um, or goodgirl-withagun.com. Okay. Uh, the two-hour classes you mentioned that you just wrote, mm -hmm. have you given consideration as to offering that as an online class? Um, I have. I've considered offering it as online class just because, you know, traveling for a two-hour class is right. not always going to be feasible. So looking at... Um, like Zoom options and things like that, how it plays out. Um, part of my concern with doing it online would just be, uh, we know oftentimes people seek out firearms training because they've experienced some sort of trauma, mm -hmm. which means a lot of time instructors came to firearms because they had experienced some sort of trauma, I think, especially female instructors. And so my only concern would be that someone would be triggered in the class and it wouldn't be there in person to handle it okay. but the mental health first aid class is taught online as it, it so that is an option okay. looking into yeah because being able to do stuff virtually eliminates a lot of the classroom needs there right? too and you can reach yeah. students that are outside of your travel area yeah uh, uh tim the are nice you all about to... living go ahead I was tim. Say, the nice thing about living in the midwest is a lot of things are in your travel area yeah uh, Tim, are you all allowed to do the Texas license to carry the classroom portion online? Uh, yes, uh, it is now available as an online. I haven't made an online version. I partnered with somebody else. And for folks who definitely don't want to take it in class, I offer that to them. 
I do strongly suggest that they come and take it with me. Um, the, the standard online version is just very cut and dried, four hours. Um, my class, I, I run up to the state mandated maximum of six hours, and I try to make my class a snippet of mm -hmm. training with Masayub and Tom Gibbons and Greg Elifritz and uh, Craig Douglas and all of the folks who basically have, have given uh, so much critical information to this. Um, and so I, I do strongly recommend that folks take an in-class one rather than the online but uh, if they do take the online, they come take an, an hour classroom uh, with me, and then we head out to the range and qualify. Cool. Cool. Uh, I do not have anything scheduled uh, coming up. Uh, for some reason in my 50s, I decided to do this grad school thing again. You know, it seems like the first time was was bad enough, and they taught, should have taught me my lesson. Uh, but it's taking up an enormous amount of my time. And so I am kind of playing by ear schedule. And then I've got some job stuff going on that's got some things up in there as well. And so I don't have anything scheduled right now as my situation begins to settle. If it does begin to settle uh, in the next few months, then I will uh, be looking at scheduling some stuff then. But right now, it's just trying to get my assignments done and submitted on time. And uh, speaking of time, thank you two for joining uh, me tonight and and providing some valuable information to the audience. We know that your most important asset is your time. Thank you for choosing to spend it with us. <laughs>